Hey guys, welcome hey guys. back to the Game Changers podcast. This is Harsh, and today I have with me my co-host Jaden, as always, uh, and a very, very special guest from Edmonton, Alberta, Makita Waterman. Thanks for joining us today, Makita. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, we're we're super excited. Makita is uh, just to give you guys a little bit of intro about Makita. She is a professional writer. She is um, she is a marketing consultant, and she's also a public speaker. Makita, you, you know, you've been doing so many different things, and she has so much experience in all these industries. And um, you know, with actually all these industries becoming so popular now, we're super excited to have you on and being able to um, get to know you, your journey on how you built that career, and also the learnings you've had on in that process. Absolutely. Well, I'll start from the beginning. I'm originally from Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Started out working at uh, TD Canada Trust, um, actually on the phones, like really helping out people that were having issues with paying their mortgage and their credits. Mm -hmm. At the same time, though, they had us do cross-selling. So they kind of taught us the psychology of people and the words to use and how to kind of ask questions so that you can gear them down the right product. And after about uh, six years of doing that, um, I just woke up one day and I asked myself, do I want to keep working at, you know, in the banking industry or do I want to do what I'm passionate about? I originally went to school for journalism and I started going to different job opportunities or interviews in Toronto. Didn't quite pan out. So my dad just said, why don't you just try Western Canada? You have friends there. You have some family there. They've been there for like a decade. Give it a try. Mm -hmm. um, started sending out my resume uh, and just by chance, I just said, let, let me give myself 90 days. If this thing doesn't work out, at least I can go back home. Mm. And so the first week I moved to Edmonton, just went on a couple of interviews. And that's when my whole marketing career started. Right. That's awesome. And uh, how have you been liking Edmonton so far compared to Toronto? Uh, I think the first year was a little difficult. Uh, I was used to just going to the Raptors game and seeing, you know, Drake at uh, front row seats and going to like the best uh, concerts and stuff, but it's starting to get a little better. More people are coming from out east, and we have the Rogers place now. So I yeah. saw like Oprah and Michelle Obama last year, and I saw Bruno Mars a couple of years ago. So it's getting better over here. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely and, growing. <laughs> and I'll yeah. definitely get some tips from you later because it seems like we've switched places and we have a lot of similarities because. For people that don't know, like I recently moved to um, uh, Toronto as well, and you've moved there, and we and I used to work for TD Canada Trust, and you used to work for TD Canada Trust. So I'll definitely be asking you for some tips and some advice on what I should be doing here. Um, but no, it's 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 really cool to have you on, and I mean to start off, um, you know, it, it's it's uh, we want to talk about um, how you started because you know. Everyone, like, there's a lot of people that want to get into writing and that want to get into professional writing, um, but it's not. It doesn't always work out for everyone because it's one of those, one of those, I guess, um, you could say, job roles that's hard to monetize. So, I mean, how did you get to? What was that process like? From just okay, I have a degree in journalism to, you know, how can I make money from this? How do I monetize this? Uh, what was that process like? How long was the process? I mean, what what challenges did you face? Well, I was, well, I was working um, my marketing job full time. I would literally leave work, take shower, jump on my laptop, and I would just Google freelance writing jobs. And um, there are a lot of different sites that people can use, but it really, it's all about marketing. Like if you're not marketing yourself, at 
least two to three hours, like literally every day, even on Christmas, when you have some downtime, there's no way you can transition from like an employee to a full-time freelancer and then run a full-time business if that's your goal. So if anybody's trying to do this, you have to dedicate every single day um, to going on the internet, submitting your portfolio. You can use sites like Indeed, Glassdoor. Literally, there's probably way more freelance gigs now because the job market is kind of pushing companies to have contractors and freelancers because it's cheaper for them than to have an employee. But you have to market yourself several hours a day. That's the only way that you can pivot from like a job to full-time freelancer. Yeah, so you have um, experience for uh, writing with content specialists at CBC and writing for the HuffPost. And so I know lots of students that uh, have this goal, and I also have this goal that um, maybe within a year or so, because I've been getting more into writing and stuff with LinkedIn and articles and stuff. Could I, or people like me and students, could we submit and freelance and pitch ideas to these um, new sources and get our articles out there? I guess uh, I was kind of lucky because as I was trying to find opportunities, I submitted my um, portfolio to this lady who had a, like a website in Toronto. And I was just like, can I write for your blog for free? And she just so happened to be a CTV producer in Toronto who also had connections with the HuffPost. And this was like, we're talking about six years ago. So um, the best thing that I could say is guest blog. And I know I was talking to you uh, about this earlier, Jaden. Uh, guest blogging is one of the best ways to, uh, you're going to have to write for free. Uh, HuffPost, I think that's free. But try to find high traffic sites or news sites in your industry. Send an editor an email. And again, you have to be persistent on this. This is not something where you send an email to an editor and then they're like, okay, yeah, it's going to work out. You literally have to give yourself like a year or once a month, you're sending a new pitch, a new idea to that editor. And um, when you do that, ask them, can you, can I have my picture? Can I have my website? Can I have an email address, um, a link to my Instagram? And the reason why I'm saying that is because in 2008, that's all I did. I just guest blogged for different companies. And what happens is when you're guest blogging for free, uh, startups and companies in your particular niche they're going to see your content and they're going to reach out to you and say, I like what you did for CNN or this, whatever, HuffPost. We need a writer. Can you do that for us? We'll charge you. We'll pay you 150, 500 bucks a blog, blah, 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 blah. So you kind of have to do these little small things in the beginning to plant mm-hmm. those seeds. And then that's when you'll start building up momentum and more companies will start reaching out for you for real opportunities. Right. Yeah. And that's so, it's so cool you bring that up because I've heard that before multiple times where people say, you know, when you're starting out, don't ask for money for your services. Try to get into the industry. Try to find people that are already successful. And, you know, Gary V, like, I don't know if you know Gary V is, but yeah. he says it all the time. You know, we all know Gary V, but you know, he says, like, work for people for free. Ask people, ask someone who's maybe like, I guess, already where you want to be and ask them, like, hey, can I work for you for free? This is what I want to do. And if you do a really good job, they might even get you as an employee or a paid job. And worst case, you get a lot of experience. Um, you know, you, you get access to a whole different network of, a, of an industry. I mean, you said like you work for free, but there are some like CNN has a huge outlet or uh, I mean, uh, you, you said CTV, sorry. So CTV has a huge outlet. And, you know, 
I'm sure like so many people saw that even though you did it for free, but it put your name out there so far ahead. So, I mean, there, you know, you got to sometimes think beyond just monetary value initially, especially. So, you know, uh, it's really great, but I want to also want to ask you, you know, how did you, um, I guess, how did you ask, ask, like start asking for more money? How do you start like, you know, valuing your own services? Because I know a lot of people hesitate, especially in freelancing or, you know, maybe they're in a bit of a need uh, for, I guess, some money or a certain amount. And, you know, they don't want to push for like, maybe they feel like, you know, I deserve three, $400 and maybe that's the industry um, average or something, but, you know, they'll settle for less because they don't feel that it's right or deserved for them to ask for such an amount. How do you start asking for like the justified amounts, maybe like a thousand dollars an hour, right? Like sometimes those amounts seem absurd, but how do you do it? Well, when I started, um, I was making like $50 a blog. So these blogs would be like 500 words. Um, think about how much you're making in your full-time job and maybe double or triple that. And most of the time with companies, when you're going to start uh, negotiating rate, if you don't have like a huff post or something like that to back up your reputation, then you're going to have to kind of talk about your work experience. So if you're not writing or in journalism at work, you might have to have like really high level um, pieces of content. So that could be a blog on your website. It doesn't necessarily have to be like on a high traffic site, but they want to see the quality of your work. So mm. nobody's going to pay you $500 to do a blog post if you write like a five-year-old. Like, let's just be honest, right? So um, your your portfolio has to be high level. And it's like I said, you don't have to have experience. And that's a lot. the issue that I had, I think when I first started was I just started jumping on these blogs where it was like 25 per piece but I was wasting my time because while I'm doing a blog for $25, spending four hours doing a blog for 25, divide that by four, right? And not just that, but that's time that I could have been spending with a higher quality company who would have paid me my worth. So you have to know who your worth is. You have to have um, experience or like a portfolio to back up the quality of your work to prove that you deserve more. Mm. Yeah. And how did you... Uh... How did you achieve this high level of writing? Did you just keep working on it yourself and just just keep doing it, get peer reviews? Like, what did you do to get to this level? I think for me, it was just uh, the dedication of writing and writing. Like when I would go to Florida to visit family, for example, during Christmas holiday, I was still hustling. Like I was still looking for opportunities. So the more and more practice you get in writing, obviously, the better you'll get. And then... Um, the more guest blogging you do, the more companies will reach out to you. And then when you have this full portfolio of that you've written for, I don't know, a tech startup, and then you did like a health consultant, and then you did like CBC or whatever, then that's when like the big companies will start to take you seriously because they're like, okay, maybe they haven't worked with a Fortune 500 company yet, but look at the variety and then look at the quality of their portfolio. So it's like a mix of different things. And then um, you kind of have to know how to talk like a boss, right? Yeah. Like when I would, back in the day before COVID, I'd be meeting some companies um, like at Starbucks, right? And so when I would walk in there, the first thing that a lot of them were thinking was, wow, she's really young. And then some of them were like, how did you accomplish all the success by yourself? So then that's when I had to start kind of getting in marketing mode, kind of like, Gary V, like really that passion that you're talking and um, when people see the passion, the quality of your work, and then like, you know what you're talking about, then they're like, okay, 
I can take this person on for this particular service. So the confidence has to be there for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I just have, an, have a question. So what do you do if you get like writer's block and you just, you're having trouble writing about this topic? What do you do? Uh, used to have that problem because I was kind of doing everything um, for my laptop after I left the workforce. I would literally just say, okay, I'm going to go to Toronto and spend time with my dad for like a week. Or I'm going to go to Miami and spend time with my family for a week. And like for me, I can't speak for other people. But when I travel or go on road trips or if I just experience something completely different, then that's when writer's block kind of disappears. So it just depends on Mm. your situation. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, Makita, you're definitely right as well. Um, It's it's, it's a challenge as well. but, But I think if you genuinely love what you're striving for, and it, it holds some sort of meaning to you and it has some significance that I think um, you're able to overcome those, uh, I guess, those tough times or those moments of adversity um, on your own. I can say, though, I think I think I did have that feeling, though, but it was when freelancing life, it's not easy. And I say that yeah. from a, lo- a lonely perspective, not even the money, like forget about the money now. Right. But when you're at home and all you see is your the four corners of your house, it doesn't matter how small or big your house is, you start to miss having that those colleagues. Hey, you want to go to lunch? Yeah. Hey, you want to go and get a muffin at Timmy's? Cool. You can't really do that when you're freelancing, right? Because you you own your schedule and not everybody could just leave work and meet you at 12 o'clock downtown to go yeah. to whatever restaurant. So I think that was, there were moments where I was like, damn, I feel lonely. Um, mm-hmm. because I had nobody to talk to. And then when you would call your friends and family, like, Hey, how's it going? They're like, I'm at work. I got to call you at six or eight. I'm, you know, I can't talk to you. I'm not yeah. like you. I don't have the freedom. So you, you might feel lonely for a while, but you'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah. I found, I found that, um, being a student with online school, that's how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I can, uh, definitely second that as well. It's, it's, with your weird, you know, schedules with uh, classes, it, it can definitely feel like that. Yeah. But uh, Mikita, I want to take a little bit of a shift. You know, we talked a little bit about your writing experience, but uh, you, you're a marketing consultant, uh, marketing expert. And of course, you know, for us, for anybody, almost every like second person has something that they're working on on the side, right? Something that they want to build, whether it's, it could be anything, right? So uh, and it's mostly being done on social media, whether it's being an influencer or a side business, whatever it is. So, I mean, what, what is the, I mean, this is a question that everyone has, you know, what's the, what's the secret? What, how do you uh, build yourself um, uh, over social media as, as a business or as an entity? Uh, I think the first thing somebody wants to think about is um, what am I passionate about and what am I good at? And if I'm not passionate about anything or I'm not good at anything, where do I want to strive to be? Because you can either show your journey, um, kind of like blogging, because that can build momentum too. And then one day you wake up and you're like, you know, I, I want to talk about dinosaurs because I like dinosaurs. Or you just have a passion or a skill and you're like, okay, I'm going to give out tips and advice. So I know you guys mentioned Gary Vee. He's like my top uh, go-to guy. Like I just stream him. Uh, probably more than most people. Um, But he said three things that education, entertainment, inspiration thing. And it's so easy to kind of build up content on TikTok now uh, with Instagram Reels uh, launching since September. Um, 
I think it's just a combination of just like going live once a week, showing up for your audience, answering all your comments and DMs, talking about what you're good at. And if you're not, again, good at anything, talk, talk about your journey towards something. Uh, because it's just like anything else, like in school or work, your tribe is going to come to you because they can feel your energy or they can hear you in the lunchroom talking. It's the same thing on the internet. Like whatever you put out there, your tribe is going to come. You mm. just have to be patient because it doesn't happen overnight. So, yeah. So basically you're saying like, I guess what I've heard from before, other people do that say is like, the, the strategy is to put stuff out there. Um, like Gary Vee also says, like, um, I guess when you automat when you, when you put stuff out there, only then you can get people to, I guess, respond or, um, connect back with you, right? People like just putting out content. That's apparently that's, that's the secret that trying to put out as much content as you can on platforms that allow for organic growth, right? Especially these new platforms like TikTok or LinkedIn, like there's, there's so much uh, organic growth uh, on these platforms and they're new as well. So it's, it's definitely great for anyone who, um, who wants to build something on the side. And, um, but it's, it, it definitely takes a lot of effort too, because it's not easy putting out, you know, two to three pieces of content every single day on a consistent basis and having, having the, I guess the, the persistence of keeping that up. Yeah, it's true. I think for me, um, I kind of figure out what my audience uh, wants for me. Uh, but it, I always tell people, even on TikTok, I do a lot of content on TikTok. And I just kind of tell people that you got to serve your audience. You know, you kind of got to look at your followers as customers, as uh, imaginary customers. Mm. You got to show up giving them what they want. And I can say for myself, I started on TikTok seven months ago. I went from um, obviously zero followers to I think I'm close to 2,600 now. And wow. yeah, but it wasn't easy. Eh? Like I started out, I started showing um, Instagram stories and that, that didn't work out. And I got frustrated and I said, okay, I'm just going to sit here for like a month or two, watch the for you page and see how this thing goes. And I said, okay, I see chiropractors, I see dentists, I see like all kinds of like people that you wouldn't expect, like having this real cool moment here on TikTok. So that means there's a place for me. And I said, okay, what am I good at? Or what did I know? business, freelancing, social media, and marketing. So I said, okay, for 90 days, I'm just going to pump out these, these contents and see what happens from there. And then um, I realized nobody cared about freelancing and nobody cared about business. They just like my marketing and social media stuff. And so you got, if you don't know what to do, just test out what you're good at or show your journey. And then after like a month or two, take a look and look at your views and the analytics and see what's performing best. And you've got to cut out the stuff that's not working and just give people what they need. Like, mm. yeah. yeah, I'd like to add to that. I came across this recently and it kind of like blew me away looking at what people actually like want from me. Cause I'll, I'll post on LinkedIn as my platform that I go to. I post little like 1200 character, um, like posts about whatever, like business finance and politics are my main ones. And I looked uh, after a few months and the business ones, they range from like 300 to 900 views each. But then my investing ones, they had like 4,500, like 2,000, 3,000. I was like, this is crazy. I've never had this many people view my stuff. And it really shows me like what people want. And then I'll post, I keep posting. I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And the investing ones consistently get 
thousands of views more. And it's like crazy to see like what people actually want from you. You just have to keep posting and find it. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, I agree with Jaden. I think he's definitely has a point there. But I mean, talking about as a as a as a professional way, so that's how you were building your brand, and that's like I guess some 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 techniques or the mindset to go in with social media marketing. But in the industry, like there's so many people doing this, right? It's so saturated, and you know, I've, it's it's probably happened to it's happened to probably everyone. But we get these messages from like these marketing agencies on LinkedIn, always asking us like, oh, do, do you want another stream of income? Are you looking to make more money? Are you looking for leads for your clients? And I mean, that kind of hurts the reputation for marketing consultants, right? So, I mean, how did, how are you able to monetize this? I mean, get over that, uh, that image that, you know, that thing has created in people's minds about marketing and, uh, you know, how, how did you monetize your services? I think for me, it was uh, really just showing up every day. Uh, there are, like you said, marketing, it, it is an oversaturated industry. But one thing I can say for sure is this year has challenged everybody. Like mm. some of the marketers who were heavy doing this last year, like 35% of them just fell off the map, you know, and people see that people see who's really showing up. Like I know Gary Vee and probably like, you know, um, Tony Robbins and all these people are going to say like during the rough times is when you see your most opportunities. It's true. But during the, the rough times, that's when the flakes, that's when the people, I'm not saying they're not good, but that's when the people who are really, really committed and passionate to what they do, that's when you start seeing them do more. And so at times like this, um, I did like an Instagram live marathon for three months all summer, literally Monday through Friday, I was just on Instagram live for like 30 minutes an hour. You can't even imagine how many entrepreneurs and like, personal brands were on these live asking questions. Nobody was doing that. Like I just saw Gary V going live like every morning. And I said, Oh, there's something to this. I said, why don't I give it a try? Mm. I think from that people were like, okay, she's committed. She's serious. And when you go live like that once a week or however, if you guys decide to do a marathon, people are like, um, this person's an expert because anybody can show up on Instagram put a title that they're an entrepreneur or they're a consultant and they're not doing nothing Monday through Friday. Mm. Right. But when you're on a live and people are challenging you, they're asking you questions. They're like, this is my problem. What do you think? They're like, okay, this girl knows what she's talking about. This guy knows what she's talking about. So I think that Instagram live thing really helped, but just really sharing all my best advice um, and not really caring if anyone was going to take it and run away with it. Um, and just also looking at people's questions that are asking, looking at the polls and Instagram stories, trying to find the pain points and issues that people have right now. and then feeding that out into tips and advice. I think that's one of the best ways that anybody can kind of see a return on their time or investment when it comes to um, putting stuff out there and then getting clients and customers. Mm. Okay. No. Um, yeah. I mean, you said it all. That's, that's definitely the way to go. And, uh, and, and again, like going back to what we were talking about, it's, it's all about just putting yourself out there, building your personal brand and, um, and I think there's there's definitely a barrier to be broken because, you know, as as people, we're all afraid of like, you know, the first time we do it and it's it's like, oh, we're get, there's going to be no one watching and, you know, there's going to be judgment and people are going to say this and um, uh, and like or sometimes you're shy. Like there's a lot of introverted people that aren't that comfortable being in front of the camera and, you know, all these different, um, I guess, objections that come up. How do you overcome them? And like, I mean, for you, you probably had something like that. I, I think everyone does. And uh, how, how did you overcome that to a point where now you're 
making a content every single day and you know whether it's tiktok or instagram you're just you're just doing it right well i'm introverted believe it or not like put me in a room full of people talking and i'm gonna be the most quietest and i'm Mm. just like that by nature and i think that helps when it comes to business too because when you do less talking you can really hear a person's personality what their problems are and then you can figure out how to help them but um one thing i learned this year is uh people don't really care how you look like I think that was one of the issues that I had around this time last year is like, I was only sharing one video a day or a month, shall I say. And I was, I called my dad because my dad is like my go-to person whenever mm. I have life issues. And right. I'm like, what if they don't like me because I'm black? Like, what if they don't like me because I'm a woman? He's like, how do you know if they like you or not, if you don't just do it? And he's like, what's that kind of mindset? Like, you're like, okay, cause I'm black. Like you already just put yourself in a category of losing. So what are you going to do, Makita? Because he challenges me like that. And I'm like, you know what? He's great. Yeah. So I just started going ham. And then um, nobody cares that I'm black. Like, even if they have an issue that I'm a woman, <laughs> that's in their mind. But at the end of the day, they still have a problem. Right. And I have to prove to them that I can solve it, whether I'm whether they like me or not. And yeah. I think um, I think TikTok really helped me a lot because obviously you can't hide behind a photo on. Well, you can, but you can't really hide behind a meme or a photo on TikTok unless you really want to be taken seriously. So mm. when I started doing TikTok every day for those first 90 days, um, that that whole like negative mindset thing, it just disappeared. And I think it's really putting yourself out there uh, and t- giving yourself a certain amount of time to do it. When you wake mm. up and you're like, nobody cares how my hair looks. Nobody cares yeah. where I'm from. Right. They just care about their problem, and that's what it is on social media. Is they're not can't they're not following uh, Will Smith or Barack Obama because they're they're following them because they admire them, and maybe they take them away from the reality for a second or two, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Michelle Obama. I mean, like I think she's like a great um, is a great example for this because like look at how popular she's become. I think on Spotify. Uh, before Joe Rogan, her, she she had like the most popular and most listened to podcasts on Spotify, wow. right? Crazy. So it's, yeah, it's like like no one cares. Like you don't have to be like you know like a supermodel or something to uh, get get attention because that's sometimes like what we think like oh because we have our own insecurities and sometimes we we project that and we think oh you know because of these insecurities we start doubting ourselves. But honestly, if if you have something to say and uh, if it's something positive that I'm, that I'm sure like, you know, people will listen. So all you have to do is just put yourself out there. And that's the only, uh, I guess, only, only ob- objection that you have, like you're, you're, you're only, lim- you're your own limitation. That's it. That's right. Yeah. And I yeah. think out of any time, like right now, people are starting to care less about anything. Like, uh, like what, uh, like it doesn't matter, um, your race, your religion, um your gender like look we the u.s has the first woman vice president now kamala harris and then there's a there's a woman for the i don't know if they're the secretary or something but in the treasury so they're in charge of their um finances in the u.s and their currency system and then there's people like citibank just got um a woman uh for uh, for the CEO, which is the first in banking. And so it's it's really cool uh, seeing all this stuff. Like people don't judge you anymore. You can do whatever. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. I completely agree with you. Um, 
and I think going from there, Makita, you know, I want to talk to you about, uh, well, you, you uh, I don't know if you know, but you're our first guest on our mentor series, which is our brand new series that we did, uh, we were starting. And, um, you know, I, I'm really glad that we were, we had the opportunity to have me, have you on. But as we move towards, you know, a close for the podcast, uh, considering your entire experience that you've had in all these industries and just your whole life and mindset, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give as a mentor to, to us as students or to anyone listening who is, you know, part of that younger demographic? I'd have to say, um, be careful who you surround yourself with and what you listen to and the books you read and even the food you eat. And I know I'm getting a little too philosophical right now, but, um, Mm -hmm. your friends, I know your parents say this, my parents always say this, like your five best friends will determine how much you make, where you end up living, uh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's so true, right? Because yeah. when I left Toronto, I had to cut off a lot of girls. Like they weren't bad people, but they were just kind of aiming just to get a job, um, get married, get a house. And that was it. And that's cool. Hey, like if anybody on this line has that as their prime goal in life, but everybody wants that, right? So you got to mm. start looking at your friends and asking, what do they really want? Because if they just want to get a degree and have a job, of the world has already done that already. So what else do they want? And then the books, I mean, in college, I was reading nothing but Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill. I was going to like Tony Robbins events when he come in town and stuff like that. And um, instead of watching a lot of TV, I was just like streaming like success stuff like Napoleon Hill and Wallace D. Waddles and Earl Nightingale. These guys are like 19, 20, 30 dudes, but this mm. stuff, it, it might sound outdated, but it's still relevant to today. So just yeah. dream a lot of content that's going to take you to the next level because this world, it's going to get more digital, meaning there's going to be way more opportunity on the internet for people like ourselves. Um, but if you're just streaming TV all day and hanging out with low-level people who are negative and you know they're laughing about you and your goals behind your back, those are the people that you you don't want to cut them off, but just keep them at a distance, like 20 feet away from you, because next five years, you're going to wake up and you're going to be in the same position because of the people that you're hanging out with. And mm-hmm. also family too, right? Family, as much as they love you, you got to ask yourself that cousin that I'm hanging out with, what are they doing with their life? What, what, do, what do they want to do in the next 10 years? And it doesn't mean you got to hang out with people who want to be freelancers and entrepreneurs, but they got to have more that they want other than just the stuff society tells you to do. Right. Mm, Um, That'll determine your decisions and that'll determine even how you feel about yourself. So. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're spot on. I think that's literally, I I, I can, I really resonate with your philosophy. I think personally, I I do believe that too. I think, Uh, you know, there's this book going around called atomic habits. Uh, You probably heard about it. I don't know if you read it. I haven't read it, but I know about it because everyone's told me about it. But it's basically about, you know, uh, that everything is basically environment. Your entire motivation is dependent on your environment. And, um, you know, like you said, who you, you are, you are who you surround yourself with. And you become what, like also like about eating. Um, I don't know if you listen to Sadhguru as well. I, I like watching. Um, he's, he's like a spiritual teacher and uh, his name is Sadhguru. And he talks about like basically, you know, we're all looking for energy um, in life and energy in different things. But. Uh, what what are we consuming to bring that energy? We're all eating dead food. Like how much of I guess we're all everything we're eating is cooked or either it's fast food or it's it's not alive food. And he basically talks about like how fifty percent of our diet should be 
you know, alive food, like raw vegetables, raw fruits that we should, we're eating. And that creates natural energy for us as human beings and just stuff like that. And it's, and I think that stuff also comes from, like, I guess, um, you know, accessing that content because you have to get into the habit of reading. You have to start following the people you said, Napoleon Hill, uh, you're the second person to bring him up because uh, we had, uh, I don't know if you know, David Meltzer. Um, he, oh, yeah. yeah um, so David Meltzer was on our podcast and he, he said like, that's his favorite book, like Napoleon Hill. Um, I don't know. I forgot the name of the book. Do you know which one it is? Probably, um, probably Thinking Grow Rich is probably. Yeah, what yeah that's the one. That's the one. So basically he keeps quoting that book and you're the second person. So it's like you start seeing a pattern with all these successful people. You see like, you know, they're they're either into reading or they're they're into some way of gaining knowledge from successful people and they're very careful about who they surround themselves with and i think those are the main two takeaways um that i've i guess in terms of seeing a pattern from successful people that i've noticed yeah i i say it all the time like i tell people success it's a lifestyle like it's not something you just pick up you put on a jacket and throw it away like this is like it's something that you hold on to. And as you get older, you'll realize the benefits of it. Because um, if I was still hanging out with the same people I was six years ago, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys. Like I probably would just be in a job feeling like a zombie depressed, like most people are right now, um, because they're not really doing what they want to. Um, and success is a choice, right? You can either keep doing the same thing you're doing the past couple of years, or you can change it up by, like you said, eating the right foods. And it doesn't have to be organic. Like if you can't afford organic food, just stop going to Pizza Hut every day, you know, and if you can't afford, um, if you can only afford McDonald's, take that five bucks and go to Tim Hortons or I don't know, go, go to Subway. It's the same yeah. price, just different choice. Right. So it's just yeah. the decisions that we make that accumulate with time. And then next thing you know, you're 10 or 20 years older and you're like, what the hell happened to my life? Happens to a lot of people, but it was had nothing to do with your, you know, I don't want to say people make excuses, but I think that sometimes people do. Like I was, oh, someone could say I was born in the, the hood or whatever. But yeah, what about Michael Jordan? He was born in the yes. hood too. He was like five out of yeah. six or seven brothers and sisters with a single mom. It's about the choices that you make, right? So yeah. Right, definitely. And yeah. Uh, you said it hundred percent agree with you. And, uh, you know, it, it was really a pleasure having you on, uh, yeah. we, we got to learn a lot about, well, you, first of all, we got to learn a lot about you, your journey as in the writing industry, your journey in the marketing industry. I got to learn a lot about marketing itself, uh, overall, and even how the writing industry works and a lot of things that, you know, we've heard before in terms of the pattern we've seen in successful leaders. And, you know, it's, you're definitely, you're definitely the, uh, the right person that we had on for, you know, our Game Changers podcast. So you're definitely a game changer in our eyes. And, um, you know, well, thank you for coming on. Um, and for everyone listening, you know, Makita is very approachable. We just reached out to her on LinkedIn. Um, and if you guys have any questions, anything else, like Makita, where can where can people reach you? Uh, you can reach me on TikTok or Instagram at uh, Yeg Marketer, Y-E-G Marketer. I'm on Twitter as well at Yeg Writer. And I'm also on LinkedIn as Nikita Waterman. So yeah, reach out. Let me know if you guys have any questions. Yeah, she, she's she's the face behind Yeg Marketer, if people didn't know already. That's <laughs> that's the one. But yeah, if you guys have any questions, reach out to her. She's 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 very helpful and she's very nice to us as well. You know, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on. And Jaden, if you have any last words. 
Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It was really good to learn about all this stuff. And especially we haven't had many guests that have written uh, that much. We've had a couple marketers, but um, you have really shown yourself as a really unique marketer. And it was really nice to learn from you and have you on the show. Thanks, Harsh. Thanks, Jaden. Let me know if, yeah. know if you guys need anything in the future. For sure. Thank you for coming on. And thank you guys for watching. Um, uh, you know, thanks for your constant support. We were bringing back content for you guys. Um, Mickey is our first guest in the mentor series, but we have lots of episodes coming. Uh, please share, uh, please follow us. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your love and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Yeah.